0: Hi, this is Chad Peavy. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. There's an unspoken rule about what is acceptable to post on the internet. And it basically goes something like this. No one wants to hear your bullshit. Now you've seen this rule broken. It's that friend who posts information about her life online in a way that is just a little too personal could be anything from drama with her baby daddy to the legally gray area way in which she disciplines her children. And quite honestly, when she does it, you're a little embarrassed for her. Overall, I think it's a good rule. Some information should not leave your home and some thoughts should stay in your head. I subscribe to this idea that no one wants to hear your bullshit, but only in part. I think when we blanketly declare that no one wants to hear your bullshit, We may be throwing the baby out with the bathwater, because what we get instead is an illusion of people's lives. We never really see a time when things aren't going their way or off the charts amazing. We get the view from the top of the mountain, but none of the treacherous journey that it took to get there. The consequences of us only seeing people when they are on top of the world is that it sets the bar impossibly high for us mere mortals. We only get to see the idealized versions of our mentors, our role models, and our friends from school. We're comparing our lives to a split second, just long enough to take a picture of other people's lives. A lack of transparency and vulnerability robs the rest of us from seeing the multidimensional human beings that we look up to. Now, don't get me wrong, I like to hear good news. I like to follow people who inspire me to reach higher, to think bigger, And to play this game of life full out, I need role models and mentors to show me what is possible. I like to see what people I went to school with are doing because it helps me set a pace for my own life. But while I wish them all well, I also need them to be human. I've been very fortunate in my life to experience some degree of success, as I've defined success for myself. And I'm guilty of sharing openly on social media some of that success. For those of you that follow me, you've noticed that I haven't done much social media lately. And a few of you have even asked me why not. Now, I'm not going to share all of my bullshit with you today. That's not helpful for you or for me. But I am going to share with you what's been going on and what I've been going through. I want to do so because I want to show the human side of my life. I do not plan on spewing my woes on the internet. I do plan, though, to spew just a little and then share with you how I've coped. I wish I had more of that in my life. I wish I had more role models, and not just for when things are going really well, but also role models for crawling out of the valleys that we go through in life. Some folks are doing this. Dan Harris and Tim Ferriss come to mind. For me, hearing how others are handling and coping with some of life's more challenging times helps me to feel not so alone. It helps me know that you can be both successful And you can have really shitty days. Both things are possible, and one does not negate the other. Depression and anxiety are real problems that plague our everyday existence. Statistically speaking, you or someone you know suffers from depression or anxiety. The more dreadful statistics are the rates of suicide in the US. I read an article in Monitor on Psychology recently that said that the second leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 34. And the fourth leading cause of death among people who are 34 to 55 is suicide. The same article also said that the rate of suicide in the U.S. is rising faster than that of other countries. I do not want what I'm about to share with you to be taken as a definitive guide on depression or anxiety. Nor should this be a substitute for seeking help from a professional. But I want you to know that there is no shame in asking for that help. I only offer this as a reflection from someone who is fresh out of a depressive state. And that very statement brings me to my first observation. Stating that I'm out of a depressive state is really quite the assumption, because you never really know if it's over. But whether or not I'm through it, I am functioning enough today to be able to reflect and write about it, so here goes. For me, and I speak only for myself, depression comes on like a wave in the ocean. It's distant at first, but you can see a small swell on the horizon. I like to go surfing, and so I get into this imagery. You see, when surfing, like in life, you're floating on your board, enjoying the water, soaking up the sun most of the time. But when you have depressive tendencies, like when you're surfing, You're always looking for what's coming. Sometimes those waves are small, not even big enough to ride, so you just lie there and let them gently pass beneath you. But there are other times that that wave is a real doozy, and you know you're going to have to ride it. So you pop up, you get your balance, and you coast toward the shore. When depression hits me, mixed with the anxiety that comes with it, It hits me the same way that the water hits me when I lose my balance on the surfboard. It's messy, it hurts. The ocean is unrelenting and it feels like I'm gonna drown. No, really, it feels like I'm gonna drown. My breath is shallow. I feel the shock of the fall in my bones. My chest tightens and hurts. My limbs feel numb and the anxiety will make my skin crawl. And I often feel that sensation that says, if I could just throw up, I would feel better. And I hate throwing up. I've experienced what I now recognize as depression and anxiety to one degree or another for as long as I can remember. What surprises me every time it weighs on me, though, is the physical feelings that accompany the emotional. It's almost as if my body is at war with my out-of-control mind. My out-of-control mind. The real battlefield of my life. Inside my head, it's like there's a clouder of cats trying to scratch their way out. Every thought skews negative, and to me, every negative thought spirals into the demise of my world. It goes a little something like this. Let's say a client's credit card doesn't go through for their recurring subscription. My mind tells me that they must hate me. They must think that I'm bad at what I do. Everyone else must hate me too, and now I'm going to lose my house, my car, and I'm not going to have any money to eat. When in reality, they were just traveling abroad, and their bank temporarily suspended their card. I recently learned that the Buddhists have a word for this type of thought spiral. They call it papancha. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Loosely translated to proliferation. Imagine if every thought that came into your head spelled disaster for your whole life. of disaster ruminating in your head, an unsympathetic droning of dread over and over and over. It's the thoughts that you fall asleep to. It's the thoughts that you wake to in the middle of the night, and it's the first thought That's what it feels like to me. It's an unrelenting self-beating. Maybe Freud was right when he said that depression is anger turned inward. When I'm in a depressive state, I'm carrying with me an oversized voice in my head that is a real dickhead. That voice criticizes me, shames me. It infiltrates my mind with fear and diminishes my self-worth. That voice is a total prick. That voice would never speak to anyone else as harshly as he speaks to me. And Before I share with you how I cope with myself in these states, I want to address the best that I can how this impacts the people around me, the people around me who are scared for me. They also suffer. I have an incredible husband, a life partner who accepts me for all of me, including this part of me. And even when he can't relate to how I'm feeling, he feels for me, but he doesn't always know what to do with me. And so for him, I offer this. I know it's frustrating to ask me questions when in return I give one word answers but please don't stop asking. I don't wanna be alone, even if I say I do. You don't have to do anything. Just be near me and that's usually enough. Let's put a pause on those topics that you know cause stress even on a good day. Those things can wait. If they can't wait, I trust you to make good decisions without me. It's okay for you to be and to express your happiness because your joy is contagious. Please be patient with me. This will pass. And I thank you so much for loving me through it. I know that can be really hard to do. Why am I sharing this with you? Because when I'm going through a depressive state, it helps me to know that I'm not alone. When I read a book or listen to a podcast or watch something on YouTube that makes me realize that there are otherwise very successful people out there that sometimes feel this way too. It makes me feel less alone. It helps me realize that it's a temporary thing and it's going to pass. So how do I cope with myself in these states? I want to reemphasize that this is not a substitute for professional help. I started seeing a therapist when I was in fourth grade, and I've been in therapy every week for many years. I'm an advocate for therapy. It does help. But therapy is a long game, and for me, is lacking the action plan or practice that helps in the immediate. It's also unfair to put all the pressure of making me feel better on my therapist. It's like asking your significant other to be your best friend, your life partner, your lover, your accountant, your lawyer, your serious friend, and your fun friend. It's just unfair to ask one person to be everything to you. Same for your therapist. Therapy does help me uncover what I've been through and how that has shown up for me as an adult in ways that sabotage me. Sometimes there's a fancy word to describe my experience, like passionate bad fit or narcissistic defense mechanism. And then I go back every week and I explore how those things show up in the rest of my life. It's helpful, but it's the marathon of mental health. I've sought out other things that I thought would help me get more immediate relief. When I was younger, I tried pharmaceuticals, but I decided that wasn't for me. I tried drinking, I tried sex, I tried to be a workaholic. And those things only left me feeling more of what I was trying to escape. Then I took a different approach. I started keeping a personal care calendar where I listed out the things that I know I need to do to take care of myself on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. The things that show up on that calendar are things that I've learned over the years that I need in order to take care of me. My personal care calendar includes things like exercise, eating right, travel, massage, therapy, and meditation. Now, I'm going to confess. I believe the primary reason I found myself in my recent depressive state is that I didn't follow that personal care calendar. I got caught up in work, and I forgot that productivity includes taking care of myself. Because when I don't, productivity completely disappears. I've also had to learn how to detach from my goals. Now, I'm not saying to not have goals. What I am saying is to set the goal. Determine how you're going to get there and then do the work. I set a really big financial goal for myself this year, and I found myself so attached to that big number that I feel like I just run myself down, beating myself over the head with the number, that goal. But here's the rub. Obsessing over that big number doesn't change it. It doesn't affect it at all. It has zero impact. The only things that will impact that number are the activities that I engage in every day and those activities will drive that number this way of thinking forces me to stay in the moment obsessing over the big number is me getting too caught up in the uncertain future an uncertainty that elicits fear and more anxiety and this isn't helpful in fact it's the opposite we live with three versions of ourselves all the time the past present and future self The present is the only thing we really have and should seek to lean into. The past represents our track record, our circumstances, and our programming, and is best explored, in my opinion, with a therapist. The future self is caught up with that big goal. It's who we were striving to be, to do, and have. The future self is important when kept in check and balanced with the present. The future self, in my opinion, is best explored with a life or business coach. I found coaching to be extremely beneficial, so beneficial, in fact, that I wrote my own coaching curriculum and I trained people how to be life and business coaches. The present, though, is all that's guaranteed. It's all we really have. I was standing in line at Starbucks last week and the guy in front of me had a heart attack right there in front of me life is fragile we get no warranty on its length all we have is right here right now this very moment and yet so many of us carry on never fully experiencing the present moment right now. We get too caught up in a long-gone past or an uncertain and unguaranteed future. I also read a lot. I listen to podcasts. I watch videos on YouTube that lift me up. I limit the amount of news that I watch, and I limit the type of social media that I engage in. I find it important to fill your head with positive, good thoughts, especially in times that your own thoughts are anything but. I connect with other people. This is the most challenging for me. It's hard for me to reach out to other people, much less to reach out for help. Some ways that I've worked on that is to schedule regular lunches with friends or schedule set times to get together to play cards. I've joined groups that meet regularly. Inside your head is a very lonely place. And even if it means connecting with other people on just a surface level for just a little bit, that's better than being alone in your head. And the most immediate relief for me has been meditation. When I'm out of practice, and sometimes I am, I'll use something like the Calm app for guided meditation. Then I graduate myself to meditating on my own. The idea of focusing on my breath in and out, as a way of calming the choppy waters in my head. I start at five minutes, and I add time as I get more practice. I'm convinced that if my meditation practice was more consistent, my depressive states would seldom appear. On her daytime talk show, Ellen DeGeneres always says, be kind to one another. Well, I support that notion, but I would like to add to it for you today. Be kind to one another but also be kind to yourself. If you or someone you love suffers from depression and or anxiety, I know that struggle. I know it's not easy. I know that it hurts. I also know that it's temporary. And the idea of impermanence itself, brings me some degree of relief. I hope you found this helpful. If you think someone you care about would benefit from it, please share it, and I'll see you soon.